Welcome to your daily affirmations. Repeat after me, working with others is easier than ever. I strive for perfect collaboration. Our teamwork keeps getting better. Yeah, affirmations are great, but Monday.com can really get you the teamwork you desire. Work together easily and share files, updates, data, and just about anything you want all in one platform. Affirm yes to start. Or tap the banner to go to Monday.com. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to New Books in Psychoanalysis. Today I'm talking to Dr. Valerie Hasanov, author of The Fear of Doing Nothing, Notes of a Young Therapist. And my name is Sebastian Trull, I'm your host for today. Valerie's book was published by Sphinx in 2019, and he is a Russian-Israeli clinical psychologist with a PhD from Columbia University. He is a former fellow of the American Psychoanalytic Association, and the Columbia Psychoanalytic Center. He's also a winner of the 2013 Psychotherapy Case Presentation Award by the William Allenson White Institute for a paper that's actually of the same title as the book um, we will talk about today. Today, Valerie lives in Israel, is in private practice in Jerusalem and Tel Aviv, and he's the clinical director of Headspace Israel, a psychology, uh, psychology treatment center for youth. Valerie, welcome to the program. Welcome, and it's uh, wonderful to be here, and uh, shalom from uh, Jerusalem. Great. So nice to have you. Um, let me just, for our listening audience, give a short, just a short overview over the book. It's uh, a memoir, pretty much. It's autobiographical about um, your training, graduate school in New York City, and it takes us on a journey um, through 10 chapters, 10 cases, or like 10, 10 instances of you working with patients or rather with people, because it's very intimate. It's not your typical case presentation that's very heavy on jargon, right? It's very, um, yeah, it's, it's almost, uh, yeah, in a way, literary. Well, I, I hope so. I uh, it's it's so the, just kind of uh, to add on what you what you said. Uh, the book's premise is the first chapter is me sitting at the therapist's office, complaining about the fact that I don't know what I'm doing, and um, maybe it sounds playful and uh, ironic, but <laughs> it was the opposite. It was not playful and it was not ironic. Uh, it was a huge dread of mine uh, that I got into a profession 
that really doesn't do much, right? And in 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 kind of in a sense, I was looking for something special for several years in my undergrad in Jerusalem and during graduate school, in the beginning of graduate school, just something, a special ingredient, I would say, to psychotherapy. It would convince me that what I'm doing is actually worthwhile and helping others and not just uh, plainly, uh, I wouldn't say maybe a waste of time, that's too glib, but um, just a conversation with people uh, for what it's worth. Sometimes it's an okay conversation, sometimes it's, it felt a little bit meaningless and so on. And so the first chapter is me sitting as a therapist and trying to kind of get from him, um, him as a symbolic him, right? As a, right. the representative of psychotherapy, of established uh, psychotherapists or analysts. So what is it then? I read some of the papers or many papers. I read mm-hmm. books. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had classes, um, but I'm not convinced. Um, and again, this is not a trick that I'm trying to do, right? Like to sound provocative right. or, or, or anything like that. Maybe, I don't know, I hope it doesn't come across that way because uh, there was nothing provocative about it. Uh, it was just an honest um, hesitation and uh, an honest search for for something that is psychotherapy. And then that came to me around, let's say, the second year of, of graduate school when I thought of writing this book with right. these experiences. And what I'm describing is in the next nine chapters is work with real people that I met mostly in my internship um, mm-hmm. in New York, but also in other clinics and kind of mostly community clinics and hospitals in New York. You have uh, one-on-one cases, couples cases, couples case, sorry. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. A group and just a day at a clinic. One after the other, uh, which mm-hmm. maybe emphasizes um, certainly the diversity of, of of New York and of psychotherapy, but also uh, many moments in which it does feel a little bit flat. And what is there really um, that I'm doing? So that was the attempt. Um, it's not necessarily chronological. Um, from chapter two to chapter ten, let's say, but it is. I hope. Uh, takes the reader to a certain uh, to to a certain journey that we take together from maybe the peak of my kind of hesitation and and struggle to hopefully maybe a more kind of settled place uh, which would be nice you know if it happened in in other areas of my life yeah Um, kind of (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I actually always keep it in mind, right? I mean, uh, life did not end for me, thankfully, uh, at the end of the graduate school. And so when I think of other areas in my life when I'm not sure about um, what to do, how to be, I always keep in mind that a certain kind of vision that I had about clinical psychology that, of course, turned out to be something completely different than I thought, but still kind of was murking somewhere there. And to that vision, I try to walk. Um, and I hope that the book maybe is successful in describing that um, that process that I, that I went through, that essentially, it's, I, I feel it's a bit amorphous, but, but the idea is, is that, that I hope there is some progress between, um, between a complete confusion or almost a complete confusion to 
a place that it's a bit more settled, yeah, but still not maybe too organized. You know, when someone asks me what is psychotherapy, Jung yeah. has, by the way, a beautiful answer to that. Uh, what is psychotherapy? And he says, Jung, yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, he says well depends on the patient depends when depends with whom depends how um and i think i read it only after i I wrote the book actually that quote particular quote by jung but that that, that's that that was my feeling and i tried to describe it uh as honestly as i could with every person that i met uh with every struggle that i had and frequently Trying to be honest, when things didn't work out great, uh, and I didn't feel that it was an amazing achievement, right? You know, that was that's one of my kind of biggest problems with uh, case studies or this genre of, of of popular case studies. That is, by the way, not very popular. There's not too many books like that, but there are. You know, I think we all know uh, a few authors. Yeah. What I always struggle with is these amazing transformations, right? I mean, how whatever you do, whether you do CBT, whether you do psychoanalysis, however you want to call it, ACT, IPT, whatever, and there's always this promise of of of, of uh, an enormous transformation. And I think psychoanalysis was known for it in the beginning, right? Mm-hmm. We all know that it was devised as this kind of short-term. <laughs> treatment as funny as it sounds now because right. the transformations were amazing right someone couldn't uh raise her right hand let's say anna O, and then she could why because the treatment because the cure right and i think that um didn't disappear from the world of psychotherapy every new therapy that arrives offers that and you know people who write it are very smart and and have uh, many times and have wonderful um um, the great reasoning for why it should be that way, and right, in the right. meanwhile, I felt frequently a bit like an idiot. Like it just uh, it doesn't work that way for me, and I feel that right. perhaps many other trainees uh, are in a similar uh, position. I felt that way. Uh, you know, um, people who trained with me uh, were kind of hesitant, confused, not sure, and then something interesting happens. Right as right. we go along in the profession. So we we gather like some tools to to fight that fear of of doing nothing, whether it's truly jargon. So you're not even sure what the paper is talking about, what the person is talking about. But yeah. it all sounds like very sophisticated. And then you know you leave, let's say a talk, and then people are kind of glancing at each other. <laughs> right. Like I didn't understand anything, but what probably just very say? smart. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but, and, <laughs> right. Or or. Uh, or a very neat kind of uh, uh, CBT or research presentation in which you clearly understand that this intervention will lead to like, I don't know, 20% betterment over time for someone who struggles with this particular problem. Right, right. For, for me, it never felt that way. Psychotherapy never just felt that way. I tried. Like, it would be wonderful if it would, if it, it would have been that way. Right. It never was like that. It was always very messy and very chaotic, I think. And um, perhaps like life itself um and it just felt like life right like small changes here and there maybe um you're not even sure but and i'm that's that's what i'm trying to describe and maybe later right. on uh, i'll read a small something just to give a more of a taste uh of of uh, more of a specific taste to, to yeah. what i'm talking about but so that's kind of the a very long answer <laughs> 
but um, no, no I, I I think it's very interesting how you describe the discrepancy between what you were first expecting psychotherapy psychoanalysis to be and then what it felt like actually being with people being with patients yeah um, and I think what the book captures so beautifully is your own development right and just mm. your, through your struggle and i you have this beautiful quote that i'd like to read out to give uh, listeners a sense of of um points in your journey where you're actually figuring stuff out and mm. and there's this quote where, where you say i just really dislike the pretense of our textbooks and case studies that it is somehow a question of a particular intervention or a particularly deep realization a particularly smart combination of medications because it's not it's a grind that's mm -hmm. what it is yeah th th that's how it felt and and you know this discrepancy I, i i left it out of the book a little bit but kind of a little bit about my own maybe uh, story here which doesn't really appear in the book that much i hint to it but not really i'm coming from Generations of Russian doctors and, and scientists, in a sense, right? right. My parents, my grandparents, uh, my ancestors, essentially. And, and, and I think it really affected my worldview and affected kind of my, the, my sensibility about, about, about psychotherapy. Because uh, ab above all, for me... Uh, so, so you mean an idea of being a scientist or, or like what, what's, what would you say is like the core of that belief? Uh, just, just, just someone comes to you with a problem and you want to help him. Right, uh, right. right. I mean, in, in a very basic kind of way. And, and I think it's very clear as, as a doctor, this is what you're doing. I think it's very clear as a scientist that this is what you're trying to do. You're trying to solve a certain problem uh, to, to reach a certain truth. And, and, and therapy, you know, it's, it's not kind of so a, clear, right? Not, not, not so, so clear. clear. And, yeah. and I think for us, it's almost a cliche, right? That therapy is between science and art and, and, and it all sounds beautiful. Uh, but it doesn't sound that beautiful when you're sitting in a class, you know, uh, let's say I remember in undergrad and kind of really in kind of this deep hesitation. Did I choose right? Like, um, did I do the right thing? And what am I going to do? And then, then someone presents to you, like, let's say, uh, a two by two table of, of attachment, right? Right, right. And, and, and like that's one one way of looking at it, and, and which really distanced me from from the field and and, and, and frightened me. Um, or uh, or or the opposite scale when when there's like this this b b paper that's a psycholytic paper with so many uh, terms, um, and you're not even quite sure like how. How, how it is connected to, to life, to people you know, to, to your right. own life, right. to your to your patients. Um, it's, it, in, in my experience, it's not connected uh, many times. And, and, and that is, that really uh, was difficult for me because um, in a very kind of egotistical, maybe narcissistic way, just kind of like, what am I doing? Like, why, why, did, I, why did I choose to do it? I, I could have done other things Uh, potentially being a medical doctor, obviously, right. uh, that right. would be the easiest choice uh, in some way. But but maybe other things that would that, that the result would be so much clearer than this kind of murky. Uh, mm -hmm. And then you know, kind of in in our community, when people say, "No, no, no, Valerie, this is like you're doing a great job" or something like that, or, or like, "No, no, no, you're providing." A, a, 
a safe space or or, or things of that nature. Like it, it never felt enough. Like it felt like no. I mean, it's 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 not enough. I want more. I want to help the person in in front of me because I see that he is in enormous pain and I mm-hmm. can't reach him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just mm-hmm. can't. And the pain doesn't go away. And we're meeting once, and we're meeting for a month, and we're meeting for seven months, and the pain is still there. Maybe this like almost the same as it was seven months ago or whenever. Um, and that is not a pleasant feeling, right? I mean, that right, is not a pleasant right. feeling for someone who kind of went into the field um, with this hope, with the hope of, of, of uh, giving something uh, to another human being. Right. But in a way, let me ask you this, right? You um, Reading the book, like I was saying, it feels very personal right mm-hmm. even even your style of writing you're writing a lot about uh your your own situation your your feelings while sitting with patients while being in conflict with patients mm-hmm. and um like a question that just came to my mind was why go all in like that right i mean because you can write psychoanalytic psychotherapeutic mm-hmm. literature books mm-hmm. that are have much more distance to right. your own experience, to patients, mm. why why go all in like that? Mm. I mean, the honesty is amazing, right? But but thank you. <laughs> com- coming coming from that ambivalence that you're describing, mm. wh- why take that leap? Mm. Uh, well, first of all, I suck at psychoanalytic writing, right? I, I I think if I would write a psychoanalytic paper, it would be very uh, mediocre. But that's absolutely think... not the case. <laughs> no, there, no this, for real. This paper that you that was awarded by the by the no, come on, the award. No, Sebastian, you're too nice to me. I, I'm telling you, like I, I I think if I would have written like just a plain psychoanalytic pa- paper with a theory of mind, like a new theory of mind, I, I think I would suck basically. But but uh, but, I, but then I guess I guess. We we have to define psychoanalytic paper right because right, right. there's there's many papers that are that are um very clinical very technical but at the same time you get a sense of the author right you 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 kind of get a feeling of what they're going through um you you get to experience them in a way mm. and, and that's probably the best psychoanalytic literature right yes yes uh, yes absolutely um, but but it seems like you you're doing something different here and that's like uh on the back of the book it's actually likened to to uh, bulgakov's um yes um book about about him being a young doctor right yes a very so, flattering comparison by my publisher um, well it's great and, and, and I, <laughs> I, I i i totally get that yes. um but why go all in like that mm. so i think uh, first of all Despite your compliments, I think that I cannot do what Stephen Mitchell, Freud, Jung, right. uh, Klein, and, and the people I love in psychoanalysis did. I really don't. Um, and I think it's important to understand also kind of with intellectual honesty um, what you can and cannot do. Similarly to me understanding that I cannot re- write a novel uh, like Tolstoy, right? I mean, it's just like I can right. try. Right. Um, right. I can try to, to write an epos, but probably it, it won't work. Um it's it's uh i think part of it is my personality just uh it's it's uh, as funny as it is perhaps it's my comfort zone even uh-huh. um it, it, let me tell you it's not always great right i mean it's not always great to be so revealing and honest um and 
that's yeah, I, could, I that, could see that. Yeah. Yes. Can you can you foresee some potential problems there? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, right. Possibly. I mean, one or two, one or two, possibly. Um, to go all in in most of of, of what you do uh, in your personal life, in your professional life, um, it, it doesn't always work out great. But yeah. I think uh, another. A hope that I have is that I'm ca- capturing something that is not only mine, right? That it will resonate. Um, people ask me, who are you writing this book to? Uh, many times. And, and I said, I'm not quite sure whether the book um, will go from being a book for therapists to a book to just people who love, I don't know, reading. Uh, right. Uh, I'm not quite sure. I'm still not sure. And, and, and that's, that's actually very interesting that you're saying mm-hmm. that because mm-hmm. uh, when I was uh, reading the book uh, for this interview, it was lying around in my apartment and my, my parents came by. They're not mm-hmm. not from the psychotherapy profession at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they just flipped through it and were like, wow, this is actually really interesting, right? Mm-hmm. Like this is this is relatable. I, I, mm-hmm. I think I might get the book, right? So so that, that's right. kind of the, the feel it gets, right? Well, like... Um, well, first that, of all, say thank you to your parents for me <laughs> <laughs> for taking the time to read the book. But uh, and I got that kind of anecdotal feedback from yeah. uh, for now, for most mostly from people that I know that, that that said that it really resonated with them. But for me, my main aim uh, at the book t- was to speak about um, an experience that I hope is not only mine, uh, meaning that I think. That perhaps this state of confusion, uh, not only confusion, but also this dissonance, right, that I'm describing between mm-hmm. how therapy is talked about, written about, presented, versus how it actually feels doing it. I, mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. hope that, that, I, that, I, that I'm capturing here something that is uh, an experience that is quite common uh, among trainees, uh, at least, and maybe therapists in general, some therapists. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, it's 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 a position of a bit of an outsider to the field um and and you mean uh, being a being a beginner or like a being in training being an outsider or what, I, what I feel do you mean broader that? than that i feel that it's not only being a trainee it's it's, it's mostly like uh, sitting on the other side of the fence of of of, of the presentation of psychotherapy in, in let's say professional settings right not all the time of course and in in Thank God I, 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 I had wonderful teachers, uh, which is also important to say, in New York and otherwise, and, and, and very good colleagues right. uh, with whom I feel I shared um, uh, a lot. But as a rule, like I'm sitting there and, 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 and frequently I don't feel it. Um, and my sense is that one, many beginning therapists feel that way. Maybe they... Uh, Want to admit it to themselves, or or or, or the field doesn't allow uh, for this kind of um, like it's not professional to admit it that you're actually not sure what it, what you're doing. You immediately need to kind of dress it in some psychoanalytic sauce or whatever. Right. Um, but 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 it's but I feel like no, <laughs> that's just what it is. Um, and mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I forgot the, the second thing, but. Um, but but let, let me let me ask you about because it's it brought up a question for me that is probably more general mm-hmm. um maybe you could describe your training mm. for us because it seems so yeah. 
uh, eclectic in a sense. Mm. And I, I get a feeling you don't like that word, but um, like all I like it more and more, I have to say. Okay, okay. <laughs> all, all the different different approaches uh, yeah. and techniques you're, you yeah. kind of get familiarized with. Like what was all that part of your training? Yeah, well, well, my tra I was very fortunate uh, in, in my training, actually. And I think my training is a representative of, of uh, quote-unquote, modern psych psychotherapeutic training. Um, I, so my undergrad is from Israel, and I did some uh, para-psychotherapeutic -psych stuff in Israel. I worked with juvenile delinquents for two years in Jerusalem. And, oh, wow. Um, yeah, and uh, it wasn't exactly therapy. It was just... I, trying to reach those, those, those people in Jerusalem, uh, going in a car uh, to their homes and, and, and things of that nature. But um, in my graduate school, uh, my training was um, quite uh, diverse, I think. I, first of all, in my program, we had uh, introduction to, you know, the, the big therapists like CBT, DBT, IPT. Uh, right. IPT is also connected to where I train um intimately and, and and uh i think it's just the case for most of us and i think it's it's good actually right um, that we're exposed to um to, to many modalities there there's a benefit there I remember i was very fortunate to sit on a seminar with uh, karen berg right um at columbia psycholytic and we were there like i don't know six seven people I was an extern, I think, at the time at Columbia Psycholytic, and, and there were more, mostly more seasoned people. And I remember Kermberg has this thing. I don't know if you've ever seen him in live, but mm -hmm. he reads. Have, yeah, you have. Yeah, so he mm -hmm. reads from these like yellow pages. Yeah, um, yeah, you saw it, and it's so organized. Like it's one mm -hmm. leads to two, leads to three, leads to mm -hmm. four, which is again incredible. And his contribution to the field. I mean, I don't need to say, but. I remember going out of there uh, with a colleague who's who was actually a psychiatrist training to be a psychoanalyst, and and we were both talking that it's just not like that for us anymore, right? We, we, right. we don't look at it only from a psycholytic lens anymore. We can't. I mean, at that particular setting, you know, there were people who were neuroscientists, and there was a psychologist right. who was a cognitive expert and did some really cool research. Um, and, and there were some behavioral people and, and, and that's, I think the world of psychotherapy and I don't know about you, but I'm very busy and I don't have a lot of time to cook. That's why I subscribe to factor eating better is easy with factors, delicious, ready to eat meals. Every fresh, never frozen meal is chef crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including calorie, smart protein plus and keto. These are two minute meals. Factor meals are ready to eat in heat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. They're flexible for your schedule. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. We've done the math, and this is important. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash NBN50 and use code NBN50 to get 50% off. That's code NBN50 at factormeals.com slash nbn50 to get 50 percent off to my mind currently i think it's a good thing uh because i think right. you can reach people through different avenues you know you mentioned that i'm uh, working at headspace jerusalem now and, and and it's true and it's a short-term 
kind of treatment. And, and we always talk uh, with other therapists that, that just like, let's reach the person in front of us. However we do that, I don't care. Right. Um, like my, I re- write, uh, I write it in the book, my model, uh, quote unquote, that kind of developed of has developed over three years is whatever works that that's what i'll do if it mm-hmm. means behavioral exposure with someone and just like going on the streets or driving with them i do that stuff in my private practice nowadays mm-hmm. and i encourage the therapists that i work with that headspace to do that um and and if it means like a a, a, a poignant hopefully dynamic interpretation about something that actually is in the transference that why not and by right. the way, why not both, right? Like right, right. If, if that's something I also never understood and, and never accepted, this dif- differentiation, right? The camps, right? There is yeah. this camp, yeah. and there is this yeah. camp, and there is this camp. And, and, and it, I disagree. I think you can think of a person uh, from many different um, perspectives. And, and right. we're very lucky to have neuroscience. We're very lucky to have cognitive uh, uh, research and we're very lucky to have psychoanalysis and their but then, plan. But then mm-hmm. let, 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 me, let me push you a bit on this point because um, th- there's in the book, right? You were describing in the first chapter, you, you talking to your own uh, therapist, your training yes. therapist, right? Mm-hmm. And um, like just, just presenting the same, same ideas to him. And he's asking a question that I'm asking now as well. But, 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 what do you propose then not having like a, a like a set of core beliefs yeah. about uh about people and and just just being like eclectic is yeah. that is that the alternative well you know it's a very good question um i think that that, that he asked me and, and, and i ask myself frequently um I remember when I was in New York, a friend of mine and I, a uh, friend by the name of Jane Kaflish, who's a star in New York and a wonderful therapist, mm-hmm. um, and, and, and she and I organized a conference for graduate school uh, graduate students. It was called Choice and Abundance. Right. Choosing a therapy um, uh, in a world of too many psychotherapies. Um, and, and we were curious, both of us, Jane and I, how to do it, right? And And... I remember one of the speakers there was uh, Eric Marcus, who at the time was um, the director of the Columbia Psychology. I don't think he's anymore, but it doesn't matter. And he came in and he said, what he does, um, he does, doesn't necessarily come with a set theory that he wants right. to present to the patient. His theory of mind is the patient's theory of mind. That's where he connects to the patient. Um, and, 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 it, it really changed my perspective. So my perspective is not what's in general true in the world. Let's say relational psychoanalysis is true in the world. But let's see the person in front of us. Let's say it's a 20-year-old graduate student who's neurotic and, I don't know, 20-year-old, not graduate right. student, but whatever, a right. college student, and who's very verbal and into literature. And the, she pulls for something probably dynamic. And then we can think maybe it's a relational thing or maybe it's more... Uh, classic depends, but uh, w- whatever the problem is, I feel. But w- what about if it's a really concrete person who just, I don't know, has has his OCD? Like, right, um, right. Okay, let, let's try to solve that for a moment. Um, so I think you have to be flexible, and, and the danger is losing a core. 
uh, I think it is a danger, yeah. And, yeah. and I think there is a certain envy of people who are settled in 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 their theory. But I don't feel it's true enough, um, you know. And I was so happy to read um, Jung uh, recently, recently that says, mm-hmm. you know, if I can quote like just a, a, a two sentences. Uh, from him, this is Jung. Uh, mm-hmm. I am often asked about my psychotherapeutic or analytic method. I cannot reply unequivocally to the question. Therapy is different in every case. When a doctor tells me that he adheres strictly to this or that method, I have my doubts about his therapeutic effect. So that's been right. Mm-hmm. I I I see. I get that. But then, um, I think what you do. With a patient, what you say, how you act is one thing, mm-hmm. but how you theorize for yourself yes. what, what is happening between the two of you is, yeah. is something like, a, I guess, a little more detached and something different altogether. And you, I think you can do all these interventions, like you're saying, like being a lot more active than classical psychoanalysts, but still have a psychoanalytic frame and think psychoanalytically what is going on and i think that is actually something you're doing from my perspective right yes i just absolutely but 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 or at least absolutely i'm trying but it's like asking who's um what's true dostoevsky or tolstoy right who's who got it mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. depends what uh, the the uh, um Depends what what situation we're describing. Some situations, some human situations, were best described by Dostoevsky, maybe in the history of yeah. literature. Yeah, it's, yeah, right. And and some and some human situations were best described by by Tolstoy. And when I'm seeing that situation in front of me, I would think this or that. Similarly, I think to to to, psychothera- to psychoanalysis. Right. Sometimes you meet someone and and you just immediately think like, I don't know, let's say object relations uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, or, or, or you do use the word uh, transference uh, if needed to be, or you do think of someone who has a split view of the world, negative, positive, and you do start thinking about right. Karenberg. And, but I don't see a way to have one view and also to have one view that is only psychoanalytical. Right, because uh, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, what yeah. about neuroscience? What about just yeah. affect research? What about uh, life in general? Right, like you, you, sometimes this is my one of my biggest problems with psychotherapy. It's so removed from life, right? You, you because it, 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 it's so removed from the discussion about like wait before we say all those terms, but just like where is he in life? He just moved to another country, let's say. He just um he just um whatever doesn't find his path um in, in some in, in, sounds too much like me but i mean like whatever <laughs> let's take another example but i mean, like just like a she right um um, um she just she, she she just she just went on seven dates and not sure whether to go on another date with someone. Is it really right. psychoanalytic or is it just life and modern norms of dating that she's experiencing, for example, right? And and that's what's really going on. Um, or she has a certain uh, view of life doesn't correspond to what's what's happening in front of her. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was also just thinking about, about the book again and about the patients you meet, right? Because mm-hmm. you, there's a lot of work uh, that you do in community clinics. Um, and for people who have like 
severely, severely uh, in the thralls of poverty, of um, racial, racial prejudice, uh, just like these intense political problems, right? Like within just, I don't know, late, late capitalism, the neoliberal setting of politics, right? And then you come along as a psychotherapist um, with your techniques trying to fix problems that probably have like a very political perspective to them as well, right? Absolutely. Um, I feel that God devised the world in such a way that mental health is a great equalizer between people. Right. Uh, and I think it's it's written in the book as well. You know, I did meet someone from the Upper East Side growing did, yeah. Yeah. In, in what we would call uh, privileged, uh, not racially uh, um, uh, discriminated against and, and just like someone from um, and, and not only her, of course, and I'm seeing it every day in my clinic. People who are supposedly privileged have the best life uh, from the outside, but doesn't feel that way. And and, and on the other hand, sometimes, um, thankfully, people who are completely uh, underprivileged and, 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 and poor and so on have resilience. And, and, and right. So so I feel it's it's it would be for me. Uh, how would I say, like, like almost too simple to say that this is this is definitely in the background sometimes, and 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 of course, when you add just poverty to to the equation, uh, right? It, it adds something or, or discrimination, of course. But I think many times I, I felt that on the contrary, like um, many privileged people, uh, quote unquote or not quote unquote, are the most suffering people I met, uh, right? Um, and and and. During my career, maybe less so in the book because the book is centered among on 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 community clinics and the training typically is done in, in community clinics and hospitals which serve the public. Um, sometimes I also feel that that cultural kind of difference, at least in New York, is a strength, right? When someone mm-hmm. is black mm-hmm. or Latino or or, um, or or even well, I wouldn't say poor, but 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 but. But, but kind of that that outsider from the norm is sometimes I feel a great source of strength, uh, cultural strength, uh, traditions that were in, in home um, that that are kind of maybe preserved even if the mainstream doesn't accept them and so on. So I don't know. Although of course you know the world always can be better, um, but I'm not sure if America now is prosperous. And even if right. in the prosperous parts of America, let's say in the white prosperous parts of America. It doesn't feel that the mental health is 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 great, uh, even among. Uh, I'm sorry, our colleagues, right? I mean, yeah, you go yeah, to a psychotherapeutic yeah. uh, uh, conference or psychotherapeutic conference. We're all super privileged to have good jobs. Uh, we're relatively, I wouldn't say wealthy, of course, but we're doing fine financially. And frequently, you look at that, and it's just a neurotic room, uh, right? right? And 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 right. so when I hear that them talking about the other right that is not privileged as themselves right. which i think is a great uh, kind of sensibility that the therapists have and they should cherish it but i also should look just in the room and see what's up and what's up is frequently just a level of neuroticism that is not there for example in a boxing gym where i trained for a year in new york with very underprivileged people and i know it's a romantic view and too romantic and I know uh, it's not perhaps not a very popular view, uh, 
but I, I feel it's the truth. Um, and I feel that therapy, again, as I said, not even therapy, mental health is a great equalizer. Like if, yeah, but, yeah. but, but let me, let me just, let me just mm -hmm. interrupt you very quick because mm -hmm. I think, um, what's up is also, uh, just in a way without, without getting too shallow in the argument here, but the culture of narcissism, right. And mm -hmm. you described this mm -hmm. in, in the case with this woman from a very privileged background that you were talking yeah. about in the book, the culture of, um, am I blank enough, like be, uh, beautiful enough, rich enough, successful enough. Yeah. And, and I think the book is very interesting in the instances where you described it on the side of the patient, mm. but also on your own side. Right. And that's, I think something that, Uh, many many people in the field can relate to what do you mean exactly you mean you mean the not like the feeling of of not being enough and in, in any of those instances right not being accomplished yes. enough not being yes i don't know uh, smart enough not being whatever right like i mean you name absolutely. it yeah absolutely i think that this is kind of the well it's just being human and i think the more elite you go the more You, you you encounter in my experience uh people with those kind of questions about themselves and with those uh, problems and i definitely um like any other human being struggle with 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 letting go uh as right. much as i can um of of the narcissistic drive and and you know the prestige drive the for example how many copies the book will sell because right, the right. answer is not well who knows right probably maybe right, not yeah. too many <laughs> yeah, yeah. maybe many i don't know <laughs> like but let's not put my self-value completely on this because i think uh however many copies it sells i might get disappointed i have a hunch that this might be this not, might not be the answer to my well-being i'm not quite sure but you tell me right, uh, right, but, right. but i have a sense that maybe not enough Let me, yeah, that, that's. Uh, let me ask. Let me ask one more question. Um, mm -hmm. That's more like in general, and then maybe we can get to to a, you reading a passage of the book. Oh, I would love that. Thank you. Uh, yes. I really want listeners to get a sense of of your voice, right? Um, but but one one more question that that was really interesting to me, especially in relation mm -hmm. to the group therapy session, because mm -hmm. it's it's male group mm -hmm. therapy, right? And yes. leading 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 up to to the the sessions or the process you describe uh, are what, what felt to me like a, like a meditation on um, being a man yeah. in a being male in a profession that's at this point and in, in very many places in the world, so female dominated. Yeah. And I was wondering if you could, could uh, speak on that. Yeah. Thank you. It's, 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 It's a really good question because I think uh, it's definitely been part of the, my own process of coming to terms with being a, psych a man and a psychotherapist. Uh, it's where I come from. It's absolutely not clear that this is what men should do, being therapists. Uh, it's kind of strange. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think in that, in, in that uh, chapter, Good Morning Men, Mm -hmm. um, I think it was a mutual kind of contemplation of what does it mean perhaps to be a man. And, and, and I think it's, it's confusing in 2019, I think for many of us, um, right. I think it's less confusing to me now than it was 
when I started, let's say, my psychological uh, journey. Um, I think I'm just okay with that, honestly, now being a man right. and a therapist. Uh, but it took time. It took time to um, to understand that it's okay to do that, um, and, and and maybe um, and maybe it even suits my personality. I don't know. <laughs> but it took I, time. I thought it, I thought it was very interesting. In the book it's it's dedicated to your mother yes it's just one and in the acknowledgements you thank for women yes yes and um uh, so the book is dedicated to my mother my mother who's uh, a very sensitive and wonderful psychiatrist by the way <laughs> oh wow that's very yes. interesting yes yes she is um and uh, a very unusual psychiatrist i feel in the best way um and so she did a lot of good work in the world and thankfully continues to do that and That's awesome uh, and was very supportive of this project kind of pushed me all the way always with all my doubts and is it good enough does anyone need this she's she's really been kind of the number one fan and i felt it's awesome so you had a really facilitating environment there yes yes absolutely and without her i don't think this book would have been written it's not just like a nice thing to say I, i'm actually not sure i would have written it without her support right. um and uh, it so happened that um yes i was supported by four women one of them is my agent another um is is my is my editor it's it's sphinx and and two others helped me um edit it to people that i knew who were wonderful all of them um so it's uh A male female joint venture, which is the best, <laughs> as it should be. As it should, be. yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, I actually think like we're we're probably best in our practice when we when we have those female and male parts in ourselves integrated, right? So absolutely, I think that's that's on us to try to do that, and it's on me to try to connect the two, um, the anima and the. And it was inside of me and in all of us. I think it's it's real. I think we do have female and male parts, and I think they're a holistic kind of combination. And I think every person has to find the balance for himself or herself. But um, definitely, I I've been trying to do that, and I feel again yeah, okay with it now. Let's see what happens right. in the future. But now it feels right. like we have we have other problems. This is yeah. not the problem. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. good. Great. Great. So, Valerie, would it be okay for you to read a passage from the book? You were saying you wanted to start like quite early mm -hmm. on in, in the in the journey, so to say, like the yes. one of the first patients you're presenting in the book. Yes. And just read a few pages from the treatment there. Yes. Thank you so much, Sebastian. And and, and uh, so this is from the second chapter, which is essentially the first chapter after my own therapy. And quite early on, this is an amazing woman that I met um, who was quite different from her appearance. Her appearance was very scary to people and to myself in the beginning and, 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 and very distancing. She looked nothing like me, right? Um, and it turned out to be one of the best things, I think, in meeting her, but also I think the chapter is 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 about that discrepancy about the field, the way mm -hmm. therapy is presented, mm -hmm. and how it feels doing it. So I wanted to write uh, to read sorry one um, uh, short passage that I think kind of summarizes maybe or the main idea of the book perhaps. So great. 
Thank you so much. So we're beginning here. This is me um, saying something to the supervisor, and then we'll take it from her. The woman is named in the book, Ms. Johnson. And uh, this is quite early, as you said, in my training, and also quite early in the book itself. So it goes like this. I feel that you got really attached to her, which might be a good thing or a slightly dangerous thing, Valerie. And I invite you to reflect on that. What is it in the transference that created that? Why do you think it happened? A supervisor asked me. It happened because she's a poet, I replied. Because the unbelievable harshness of her life never killed her elegance. Because the horrible abuse that had threatened to extinguish her humanity achieved the opposite. It strengthened it. Harold Searles, a psychiatrist who worked with severely ill, typically psychotic patients in the 50s, wrote that what is healing in psychotherapy with such patients is seeing more in a person that she can see herself. Maybe, ultimately, that was my treatment approach with Ms. Johnson. Maybe by sensing that there was so much more to her than the cliched image of, quote, poor, homeless, and traumatized, I allowed her to believe, for a moment, that she was in fact more than that image that the abusers never fulfilled their sick wishes. So more than anything else, and instead of the classic interventions, most of which seemed inappropriate and frankly weird sometimes, we went for the, quote, celebrate the poet inside you and the abusers can go fuck themselves approach, not supported by empirical research yet. It sounds humanistic and hopeful. The reality was much darker. In spite of everything that had happened between us in the room, She still came back home and had two or three panic attacks a day, slept no more than a couple of hours at night, did not have the strength and resources to get rid of her abusive boyfriend, was afraid to go out of her house, and took a tremendous amount of psychiatric medication to calm down, to feel, quote, sane. So the seeing did not exactly translate to living, which led to some uncomfortable questions about my chosen profession. How can any therapist, I wonder, be it a psychodynamic or a CBT one, not feel the profound limitation of psychotherapy as a tool for change, as a curative process when observing the tragic unfolding of Ms. Johnson's life. Not wake up in cold sweat, dreading the inevitable conclusion that psychotherapy doesn't actually achieve much. She couldn't ride the bus after months of psychotherapy. It's nice to talk, to listen, to provide, quote, safe spaces, but it's not so nice to see someone's life steamrolling towards the abyss while you stand there gently noting and providing empathic statements or worksheets or skills, even empirically validated ones for trauma treatment, but actually, in truth, doing very little to stop it. How smug and deluded would I have to be to believe that the few moments of poetic reprieve which I was maybe able to give to her were actually a great success or a sign of significant change. Watching her, after several weeks and then even months, crawling into our clinic, flightened, sweaty, defeated by life, afraid of everyone and everything. How could I not think that I was actually not helping her very much? What sort of a sophisticated Greek or Latin term? What citation by a famous psychoanalyst? What indication of a measure on which she had better results could quash that anxiety? Why would I believe if I saw her crawling on her knees, not believing in anything, not hoping for anything, that, no, don't worry, Valerie, you're doing a great job. His feelings were not aroused in me only by people who experienced the unthinkable tragedies that Ms. Johnson had experienced. In my first few years of training, every patient made me feel like that, to a certain degree. 
the changes, if they happened at all, were barely visible. A better conversation with someone's mother after nine months. A calmer reaction to the boss, feeling a little more self-confident. Approaching a boy at a party, things like that. Fighting for the smallest of changes with my struggling patients. I began to resent the glib, out-of-touch depiction of psychotherapy, the prevalent tone of our empirical and theoretical literature. Everything is so annoyingly neat and tidy. Intervention A leads to result B. In the meanwhile, in the treatment rooms, hordes of therapists, perhaps especially beginners who are more attuned to the truth and not to the theoretical ideas about the truth, feel like idiots, stuck in the quagmire of life with their patients, not able to get out of it, despite what the great authors suggest would happen if you just use the right intervention. Psychotherapy, in my experience, feels nothing like a paper about psychotherapy. What I realized over the years of my training was that change had to be formulated differently. I had to come to terms with a certain something, maybe small, maybe a little more than that, that I felt I was able to give to the people I worked with, but nothing like the typical depictions, the unbelievable transformations. What is the meaning of life? asks Lily Briscoe in Virginia Woolf's To the Lighthouse. She proceeds to answer. The great revelation had never come. Instead, there were little daily miracles, illuminations, matches stuck, struck unexpectedly in the dark. Here was one. In the messiness of psychotherapy, the achievements are fleeting, amorphous, barely felt. Without accepting this, I believe, we cannot really affect the people we work with, cannot escape the traps of fancy-sounding jargon that hides our fear of doing nothing. Wow, thank you so much for reading that. I think it really sums up a lot of what we talked about, what the book is about. And what just came to my mind after or while you were reading mm -hmm. um, is the the core of what you're describing with many of the patients you talk about in the book of your shared work mm -hmm. is the relationship, right? Yes. And I mean, the ability to stay in a relationship with people whose connections to others have yeah. sometimes dramatically unraveled yeah. and they have like they do a lot to to keep it that way mm -hmm. and i think what you capture beautifully is your way and your struggle and your persistence in staying in a relationship with these people and it's amazing thank you uh because we are you know because i'm talking to you from uh Jerusalem, so let me maybe finish uh, from Ecclesiastes. And um, it's been my motto in psychotherapy in general. Um, it's a bit of a simple translation, but still, let's roll with it. And it, you know, kind of came about when, when you were saying this, but um, whatever you find to do with your hands, do it with all your might. For in Sheol, where you are going, there is no work or planning or knowledge or wisdom. So we have a limited time here. Um, yeah, yeah, and, we do. Uh, in that limited we time, uh, I hope to do something for the people I meet. And uh, I hope that till the last days of my being a clinical psychologist and a therapist, I will not uh, uh, stop trying to do something. That's great. Thank you so much. Thank and you. before we end mm -hmm. here, um, let me just ask, do you have anything 
anything else about to be published any what, what are you working on at the moment so um the, no i i'm waiting <laughs> like this this book uh, was published just recently two months ago or so and uh, yeah. i'm waiting to see whether the world needs it um, oh, oh i'm sure i'm sure it will <laughs> i'm sure it will People and then, would be thrilled to read to read such an honest, honest account of psychotherapy. And, and I feel like you know I'm writing here and there like small things, but I feel like the next project has to come after I live a life, uh, meaning that I have to yeah. feel completely yeah. differently about psychotherapy. Yeah. I don't have anything to add at the moment on this book. I can write more stories, but I think they're going to say very similar things. I think I have to live a life. I think I have to enter uh, another stage of my life. I'm, I don't have my own family yet. Uh, right. Hopefully that will happen and uh, many other things. And when all of that happens, uh, maybe I'll feel something else about therapy and maybe I will be, I don't know, motivated to, to share it. Uh, this project took me five years. So right. <laughs> maybe uh, I'll, I'll decide to do it again. Great. Valerie, I wish you all the best with, with all the endeavors you were just talking about. And I just wanted to add, for the listening audience um it might be worthwhile to check out our interviews with sandra büchler yes who's actually commented on a paper of valerie's and i think sh she speaks to a lot of issues that that you are raising yes about the profession about the field yes so our listeners might might really be interested in hearing those interviews as well. Absolutely, and she's definitely one of the wonderful teachers. I said that that, that you know, kind of, I met in New York. She's a very wise, um, smart psychoanalyst, and and I was fortunate to um, to meet her in many different uh, venues and to learn from her. Um, so it, it was you know, kind of great thing to uh, to see that, that this is published after her. Our podcast, yeah, our conversation yeah. published after her. It's right. kind of a wonderful uh, coincidence, or probably it's not a coincidence. <laughs> That's great. So yeah, give those give those a try. Check out those other interviews. Thank you very much for listening, and thank you very much, Valerie, for for talking to me and for being with us today. Thank you very much, Sebastian. I really appreciate uh, your kind words and, and uh, this uh, wonderful conversation. Thank you. Great. Thanks, and bye bye. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.